FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 377 of the podcast that goes snicked. Nick. I'm your, yes, that's right. I'm your host, Jason, and I have with me from the Scalabros, Dan. Hey, Dan. Hello. I finally got to say snicked because usually it's George's thing. Right. And I wasn't sure if you were going to do it, so I didn't even give you the proper space. Because <laughs> I'm a terrible host. As so I took advantage of the time. <laughs> right. How's it going, Dan? Not too bad, actually. Um, yeah. At a moment. Yeah, we missed you last time, so glad you were able to get you on this time for really a stack of all pretty good comics. So hopefully Georgie doesn't get too jealous <laughs> that we talk about a bunch of fun stuff while he's gone. I dodged, I dodged the, the, the worst. Worst? The not very good books last time. Right, um, yeah. <laughs> very good. Yeah, so we got... We have... We're going to continue with the Hickman part of New Mutants. we got Marauders. We have X-Men. Giant Size is out. And then um, Fantastic Four. Um, a lot of sexy time in these comics. These are very sexy comics. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that. At least, at least according to Twitter. <laughs> yeah. but, um, anyway, um, we're going to start off with New Mutants number seven. And Dan, you're going to take us through that. Yeah, the issue that is called spoilers, um, known for purposes unknown. Well, quite evident. Um, <laughs> thanks to uh, Roberto. Um, yes, written by Jonathan Hickman, art by Rodriguez, uh, Travis uh, um is the letter, and Tom Mueller is design. And on our fruit cover, we have our celebratory, um, victorious new mutants, all decorating a giant cake. Yes. Yeah, so Parade and Bojack Horseman is in the audience, um, yep. <laughs> including his jockey. <laughs> Wait, that's weird. There's like a guy yeah. with a horse head and then a horse jockey standing right next to him. That's very strange. I, know. I do like the fact <laughs> that the lawyer is still there, um, the community yeah, lawyer. the space warrior, right? Um, um, I, I quite like it. It's fun and playful. Yeah, like it is. Yes. Yes. Nice, confetti, um, everything's going good. Hi. So, when last we um, left the Hickman side of this book, um, our poor Gen Xs were floating in space. And what we start with is a inner monologue recap. Um, spoilers. <laughs> funny aside. <laughs> everything you can possibly think of thrown into the uh, the, the kitchen and the kitchen sink as um, Sunspot recaps and joyously describes everything that happened, be it truthfully or not, um, breaking the fourth wall, becoming ult- ultimately metatextual, creating a space rocket with an X on it that looks almost like a dildo. Um, <laughs> almost. <laughs> almost. Yes, dildo um, works. Yep. And we're, a, and Danny, is that a Rob Liefeld character? <laughs> dildo X? <laughs> I don't like it, to be fair. It's, all, it's got the colour palette to be a, a lifelong character. Right. Um, and it all culminates, the, the little vignette at the beginning all culminates with uh, Danny calling out uh, 
Beto for spoiling people because he describes events that didn't actually we haven't actually seen at all. Um, right. Skipped, um, which I thought was quite one of their words. It was quite fun to be like, we haven't been here in a while. This is actually what's happened when the other stuff's been um, published. <laughs> right. And, and the fair outrage um, of him being like, there's comics without me in them. Can't you view it? Um, made me smile. Yes. Um, so we pick, we, we pick up on uh, Chandler um, with, I always, I just want to call her like Lelandra's daughter. But that's not, that's not her name. Um, Zandra. Yes, there we go. We pick up with um, all the political intrigue of the of the Shia, and essentially, um, they basically invite Deathbed. Deathbed is invited. They've succeeded on bringing Deathbed to Chandler and to help train her. And then we cut to the New Mutants and a one of the assassins that was um, hired to kill Deathbird is a gas smoke ball that Wolf Wolfsbane randomly licks and runs off. <laughs> that um, was weird. <laughs> that was uh, and then um, we have Doug and Karma threatening gas, which was kind of hilarious. Um, uh, <laughs> gas does not want to be solid. Is all I found out from that conversation. Right. Yes. Um, um, Basically, the New Mutants go to the um, throne room with Deathbed and Toe. There's a little... Com- com- I said there's a little confrontation. Um, she throws a spear at Oracle. Gladiator throws it back. <laughs> Bobby catches it, breaks it. Shouldn't have broke the spear. Favourite spear. Right. <laughs> um, they, have a, they have a good... Um, this, of course, the um, Super Guardians have a good little scuffle with the New Mutants. Um, all I love the a... text page there. Yes, the fight page where if you want to play along with the game, you can roll a few dices to find out who actually wins um, in the end. But obviously, you have to scream, scream "Deathbed" at the end. Or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was um, quite brilliant. It was a lot. Basically, a lot of this is just setting the world um, to rights with. Oracle's punishment being that she has to train her with Deathbird. And then um, basically the only thing that they ask of is they plant plant a cocoa seed in Sam's apartment and they have a nice this like after party with a lot of X-Men running around on yeah. um, including Wolverine since this is the podcast that goes next. <laughs> yeah, randomly there. And then we find out we find out that basically the greatest uh, love story of all time, Sunspot and Cannonball. Um, can continue um, the big, the best romance um, yes. ever created, which I yep. think is great. It's just like, yeah, we're not inviting you because you wouldn't leave. Um, <laughs> He's like, oh, I bought the building. <laughs> and then we have, we have we have a nice we have a nice aside, which I think is touched upon in another book um, where that we're about to read, where Cyclops asks Gladiator if he can um, place a cocoon portal on the uh, really beautiful floating island-like planet island that the Shi'ar have. Um, and then Wolfsbane licks another... Uh, Wolfsbane licks another ball. Who just yeah, to be- I guess that's what, just what she does. And <laughs> is, there a, is there a precedent for this? <laughs> I wasn't really sure. But... She seems happy. And right. then, um, Sam finds out that uh, Bobby's bought the building um, that he lives in, um, okay. just so that he can hit on Deathbird some more. <laughs> and, um, the two friends are kind of like, what kind of trouble are we going to get up to? And like, it all lots. ends with, like, 
loads. And to be honest, it was from start to finish. This was I I can't say it's my favorite of all of them, but <laughs> if this wasn't a, such a strong week, this would be the hands down the, the most fun. It's clearly like the best expert. Yes. Yep, um, it definitely is. And Reyes's art throughout is. I think Reyes's art is not as tight as some of the other issues that he previously did this time around. It's a bit more loose here and there. But right. I generally love the character um, talking heads and character interactions. Um, I think he nails uh, Sam and uh, Berto, like Yes, definitely. And all the other characters look and feel themselves. The little action sequence is great. The colour work is perfect. Like... Uh, Essentially, you can't fault anything for this book. I can't even. Um, I don't know. Do, is there something that is anything that any gripes that you have with it, or is it just perfect? No, it's it's perfect. Uh, I'll I'll read what Georgie said real fast. Um, Reed and Hickman just nail it. The epic heights this book reaches just infuriates me. We have to go back to a Brisson issue, and he wants to get the the barber there. Then once Brisson takes over, he's done. Which you know, y'all said that on the Escalabros account. I haven't found anything. Where did y'all hear that? Um, I'm sure we... I can't remember when we threatened to, to quit and boycott. <laughs> when... <laughs> right, I so it's, anyway. It's, not getting, it's just not getting better. But I know that... Isn't Brisson going to take over these characters as well? Well, see, that's, uh, that's what Georgie was saying. I couldn't... I couldn't find, like, a link or anything. But, I mean, I trust you guys. So, if, if that's what y'all I think saw. I think it was in the solic- the most recent solicitation. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, well, that's a bummer. But I'm not going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about how awesome this book is. Um, really, I mean, you nail almost like the color work, the artwork, the personalities, the character work. I really like <laughs> Since we're alternating issues, he recaps the issue we missed. Quote, unquote, like there's a missing New Mutant 6 that Hickman and Reyes did somewhere that we haven't read yet. <laughs> Then that was was brilliant. Um, It kind of felt like a little bit of a dig, but I can't say that it necessarily was. I think the alternating was Hickman's idea. So I don't. I mean, I don't know. But um, but feels more like feels more like Beto's arrogance than anything else. Right. Yeah. Um, Which I think is quite because I've seen a lot of people think it's him taking the piss out of Brisson, but I feel like it's more carried. It's like more true to Roberto being like he's the star of his own show. Yeah, so. and I know we're going to talk about another artist here pretty soon who is like an expert and maybe the best ever at drawing hair. But Rod Rice, or Rod Reyes's uh, sunspot hair is just scrumptious. It's so, it's so perfect. It's nice. Mm-hmm. It's got the right like kind of organized chaos. <laughs> Uh, and you know the curls and not quite perfectly shaped but still still pristine um it's just everything about this book is perfect um you know it for me the first time i read it i didn't feel it as much the second time the first time i read it i felt like it skated the line of almost being a little bit too cheeky but it was a kind of cheeky that i like so i don't care um (laughs) if that makes sense um but i know i i love this book um a very, very high mark, so I'm going to give it six out of six claws. I'm right there with you. I think it's cheeky, sort of. It's like a send off of this this era, and I feel like New Mutants is now closed as a chapter. <laughs> right. Because I feel, I feel like Sam and Abedo kind of should just stay now until Hickman decides to use them again. 
Right. Um, rather yeah. than anyone well, else touch them. I think he's going to be using them in the X-Men book, right? Don't we have a, a Shi'ar story coming up? Like, all oh, this kind of ties back together. I'm not sure about I could be making that up, but I thought I, thought I saw that. Um, it makes sense. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, yeah, I mean, I feel like we should spend more time because it's such a great book, but I don't really know what else to say. I mean, I, just, I love it. And I'm going to... If it really is the last one Hickman does, I'm going to miss the hell out of it. So... It's just a shame. It's like I'm gonna have to figure out if I can co- collect that as just a trade on its own, but, <laughs> right? Because yeah, no offense to the Britain issues, but like they just get in the way. <laughs> yeah. Of a better way. Right. But um, it, it's great comics, and it's lovely to have be able to not have to like delve, um, because it's it's purposefully surface like surface level entertainment, but it has such an intelligence behind it that right. it. it it works on quite a lot of levels, and Hickman this week um, or this this episode will prove that you can write like the full gamut of yeah um, all kinds of different thing. ways of comics, right? It's 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 masterful. Yeah, we, I won't say this week because I think we're we're ending up covering like three different weeks, but um, this, it, over this the span of this episode is is uh it's just it's a uh, is Hick- I think Georgie said in one of the, one of our DMs that is Hickman putting on a clinic, and he really is like, wow. But we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break from Hickman and talk about Marauders number eight, which is um, oh gosh, what's this one called? Um, Furious Anger, written by Jerry Dugan, art by Stefano Caselli, colors by Edgar Delgado, letters by VCs Corey Petit. Woo-hoo! And uh, designed by Tom Mueller. Our cover is by Russell Dodderman and Matthew Wilson. And another great Dodderman cover um, that has Storm and Emma kind of about to be mad at each other. And a lot of this cover is great. The way he draws Storm's like hand almost blending into lightning looks so freaking amazing. Like I, I love this cover. What do you think about this cover? I love it. It's, um, he, he obviously you can draw lightning by now after so much. Right. <laughs> I generally think it's so well colored as well. Like Emma in her diamond form has never looked this beautiful. Well, she is going to look just as good in a minute, but um, maybe not in this issue. Um, but it, it generally is, is an astonishing cover. Like it has a feel of. Um, them being in conflict, but at the same time, there's this sense of like the dark, like just the idea. It's just storm clouds behind them. It's such a great like framing device for it all. Yeah, I, I just, he's such a good artist. It upsets me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So basically, we're dealing with the aftermath of uh, Kitty's apparent death. Um, Emma's giving a, a tour with her brother and some like kids on, to one of the Krakoan like. Martian factories. Uh, Bishop is going undercover on a ship, and he finds Kitty's body float. Now, is it floating in the ocean still, or is it like inside the sub? I can't. I think it's still in the ocean. But he pulls it in. Yeah, and uh, Emma gets the news, and I don't know if Caselli's art is maybe as top notch as some of the other art we've had on this book, but. Uh, Emma, you know, collapses in grief when she hears the news that Kitty's been found and appears to be dead. 
uh, she calls the Marauders. She can't really find everybody, so she just basically just gets Iceman. Um, Bishop, I thought it was really cool, you know, playing the idea that the Bishop's like a detective, right? He, like, yeah. discovers, like, part of the vine that's wrapped around Kitty's leg. And he's like, okay, I'm going to put this in my pouch, my 90s pouch for later. And, you know, he does. Um, so I'm pretty sure that's going to come back and be a story element that he's going to figure out, you know, who did this to Kitty and there's going to be hell to pay. Um, but, of course, he gets discovered. He's got Kitty in a body bag. Um, and then we see the sub starts freezing. And Iceman is just brutal. And that page where he busts through the door, and he's like all in dark shadow, like, that's a really good page. Um, you know, it's a full splash page. And, and I love how the font, like the, you know, we don't talk about letters a whole lot in this podcast. Um, but the idea that it gets really small, and he's like, almost like, he's like, murder. Like just whispers it. Like, it's just really impactful. Um, and he's very kind of uncharacteristically hostile. Like, you can tell, like, he's really affected by what's going on here. And gives all these soldiers, like, frostbite. Like, their fingers are falling off. He knocks the guy's arm off. You know, he says that, you know, every time you get cold for the rest of your life, you're going to feel this frostbite, which is just brutal. Uh, Bishop's, even Bishop's like, I don't, I don't know how to process what you're doing here. Um, <laughs> but uh, so they teleport away. And then we get a great scene um, where Storm shows up and she's like, it's pretty much like a big, I told you so with Emma. Like, you know, you, every time you come around, things go to shit. And here we are again. And she's crying, and, like the tears out of her stormy eyes. Like, she's got storm eyes where the pupils are gone. So she's obviously like got some clouds behind her. But um, the tears coming out look really good. It's probably the worst art of the book is I don't know what supposed to be going on when she slaps Emma when she gets like a putty arm. Yeah, I think it's supposed um, to be sweet, but I don't know. Super fast, but it just looks like she has a little flipper. <laughs> um, but she slaps Emma. She cracks some lightning. She's really upset, but then Emma hugs her, and Emma actually like comes off pretty decent here. She's like, hey, let me turn into a diamond. You just beat the hell out of me, and it's fine. Like, like they kind of have different forms of grief. They kind of, you know, Emma kind of lets Storm blame her. Um, you know, has a little bit of like, well, hey, I kind of put you under, or put Kitty under your charge. Where were you? Oh, but I know what you were doing. You were doing what we're all supposed to be doing. All right, so there's, there's kind of like the, the pettiness of I'm blaming out of grief, but when I think about it, I understand that it's really... It's no one's fault as much as it's everyone's fault. And I don't know. I, I just, I really enjoyed this scene. I thought it was very, very well written. Um, then we go back to the Shaws and their kind of machinations. And then we see the uh, the Asian family or the Madripoor family that found Lockheed. And he lets out a little fire puff. So kind of two little epilogues on there. But I thought this was a very, very emotionally charged issue that was super well written. The art maybe not as good as like Lolly's has been on some of the issues, but I thought it was still pretty good. Um, you know, it's maybe a little more standard, I guess would be the right way to say it, but, but nothing wrong with the art by any means. I didn't think, what, what do you think about this, Dan? I just talked a lot. No, it's all right. Um, uh, it's really weird because Caselli's art, when he did um, Spider-Man, when he was doing Superior Spider-Man and when he did Avengers uh, Initiative. I remember these are book, obviously Avengers Initiative 
years ago. But they, his art was so like dynamic, really heavy inks, almost like yes, um, influenced sort of like almost manga style in places. And here it's sort of really, like you said, it's really sort of standard. And some of some flashes of his actual like sort of old style in this issue. But I was right. quite surprised that it's his name on the because he he usually delivers really crisp and unique like sort of it is standard comic fare, but it's a little more elevated. Um, right. So it was weird to see it a bit more. I think it's maybe the color, like the color work, isn't particularly. Um, some of the Vibrant. color work, like um, yeah, because some of the color work is really good. Like the 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 discovery of Kitty's body is quite a haunting image. Um, mm-hmm. The Iceman, the Iceman um, entrance is really beautiful. Um, the use of the burnt petals when Emma and storm embrace really lovely but for the most part it's quite like sort of um perfunctory i suppose is the it's a horrible term but it, it's, <laughs> it's kind of just like um like you said it's it, the book is very standard to comics visually um it does its job it tells it's well um, the emotions are there on the page but but duggan is doing all of the heavy lifting um for everything right. else and, um it's really beautifully it's if you had told me a couple of years ago that the guy that was writing um, Deadpool for ages <laughs> uh, was going to um, write two books that... Because he wrote Uncanny Ave- a volume of Uncanny Avengers, which I really, really mm-hmm. enjoyed. Yeah. Um, with Deadpool in. And um, if you told me he was going to write something, two things that I really enjoy, I'd be like, no, no, he's not going to. Don't be stupid. <laughs> um, but this issue kind of proves that he has such great range he's not just like a one-trick comedy pony um like some of the other comic uh, writers that end up on deadpool and um i think he's still spinning the plates of the other like bishop taking um the vine finding out the von struckers are now part of the um the sebastian shaw's little organization and obviously um if lockheed's alive um, does Lockie still has his linked kitty? So um, maybe that might suggest she's maybe not dead, or maybe Lockie's going to go on a rampage um, right. to avenge Kitty. Um, there's a lot of like spinning hoops, and it's all, even though it's all about um, them coming to terms with what's just the immediate re- uh, aftermath of, of someone that you know has died, um, Duggan still manages to build on the world, which not all of the X-Books do um, in this Dawn of X era. Right. Um, they either do and it's really forced, Excalibur, or they just ignore the world entirely. And um, <laughs> like New Mutants. Um, right. Um, whereas the, like Duggan's consistently like, we now see Mars, we now see that it's like they've got automatons that Forge has made processing stuff for people. They take kids for tours. These are just like tiny world building moments that Duggan's managed to do since issue one. And it doesn't ever harm the rest of the book because the book is still all about them receiving the news that Kitty's dead. Um, and it's done so well. And it's really hard to not say that this book's like pretty much, if it wasn't for the art, I, I would probably give this book on its script to learn a six. Um, yeah, I think it's really, really powerful. So, but I feel like um, the art sort of, it does its job, but it doesn't have what it could be. If right. that makes sense. Yeah. No. Totally. Totally. Um, and I'm right there I with feel you. Like, yeah. um, 
feel like he'd just been a little bit better, unfortunately. Right. Yeah. No, uh, you know, uh, Georgie kind of says the same thing. Uh, artwork's a bit inconsistent, but Dugan continues to balance great character work, humor, and anger really well. Um, he's eagerly awaiting Emma and Kate's retaliation and wondering if Sebastian's going to end up in the hole with Sabretooth. <laughs> so, the funny little bit. Um, you know, I'm right there with you. I think, I think in my head, I know it's only five out of six claws because the art's not quite up to snuff with the writing. I'm going to give it six anyway because I love the issue so much. I just, I really, really enjoyed the issue. Um, I'm going to let my heart overrule my head on this one. Um, I know the art's not really six worthy, but uh, I'm going to go there anyway. <laughs> um, uh, I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it a five because I don't. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Yeah, I feel like I'm being level-headed, not. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right, cool. Well, um, X-Men number seven. This is a doozy. Oh. oh, my goodness. Right, yeah, so X-Men number seven, G. Um, so um, Life Death um, is an interesting title. Uh, Jonathan Hickman as the writer, uh, Lennon Francis Yu as artist, Sunigo as the colorist, uh, Clayton Cowles as the letterer, and Tom Mueller on design. And we have, as our front cover, apocalypse-shattering um, a stained-class nightcrawler. Um, yeah. With a sword. Our act, our act that it's a sword. Oh, um, that's right, yeah, because the whole, the whole X-sword thing coming up. <laughs> yes. Um, it's, it's weird, because um, <clears throat> it's kind of like, to me, it feels like a metaphor of, like, the serenity... Uh, of of the surface, which is Nightcrawler, is being shattered by the darkness that bringing all of this sort of evil, quote unquote evil of apocalypse and that onto Krakoa. Like, right. you can't have a beautiful stained glass um, window without breaking some eggs. All in this case, at a stained glass window. Uh, <laughs> and I feel like the book and the cover very much talk about the idea of or flirt with the idea of we may have this perfect society but how do we sustain this perfect society and what do we do to make it that way and I think it visually represents this like sort of dark sinister sort of underbelly that kind of is in Krakoa as it is right um, maybe I'm just reading too much into the front no, cover <laughs> no I, I think it's a very I probably more than any of the previous six covers it's not like it necessarily that it, that it ties into like direct panels on the story, but symbolically, like it really gets into what this book is about to show you, and and does it in a different way. Like it's a different flavor of the same content from the book, and I think that's I think it's really brilliant and one of my one of my favorite covers so far of of the X Men this volume of X Men. I'd agree. It is really good. Also, Kate looks great in glass. So yeah. that's how it <laughs> right, so on Kuko, of course, um, in the um, Academus habitat in the sextant, which, if you remember, is where all the kids that aren't X Men, um, right. all the other generations, uh, the New Mutants, Generation X, blah, 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 all live. Um, a young Melody um, Guthrie awakens to her family and skin. It's nice to see skin in the background, just randomly walking around, <laughs> right? Some coffee or whatever. Um, so yeah, today is the Crucible. Um, 
and we're about to find out exactly what that is, um, which was kind of weirdly surprising for me. But anyway, on the moon in the Summers house, um, new newly christened boyfriends, Scott and Beverly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I guess so. I don't know. Polyamorously. Uh, well, Wolverine wouldn't mind seeing Scott in a Speedo, that's for sure. Um, right. He's and he also talks about... <laughs> yeah, and they, also, and they also talk about going on a holiday to um or him taking the kids. You know when Cyclops says, I'll take the kids, I'm like, but your kids are like real <laughs> like she make it sound like you're taking like ten year olds. Right. Not Rachel and 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 Cable. But yes, it's um as mentioned before, they talk about going to um the place they've just newly put some Cohen portal on because they're spreading their seed metaphorically and physically around <laughs> the cosmos. Um, right. So they have this really beautiful uh, exchange between the two figureheads of the X-Men who have been at odds since an editorial uh, decision many, many moons ago. Um, <laughs> um, is it Schism? Was it Schism? Yeah, Schism. I mean, it played on... They've always had a chance relationship, even all the way back to... And Wolverine joined sure. the team. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think the biggest divide goes back to, to Schism, which, you know, turned into Revolutionary Scott and Wolverine and the X-Men and, and kind of all those sh- offshoots. This is true. But I do love um, what we see here is a respect between the two. Yeah, yeah. Two. No, I like this scene a lot. And the, um, they both understand. They both, you know, they're in their... Like, Wolverine's in, like loungewear just looking at the at planet earth as you do right and um they're just chilling in paradise and they still have this there's this like sort of undercurrent which is throughout the book of um what crucible is and what it means and how uh, scott has yet to find answers to the questions he has about it and wolverine right. he asks wolverine but wolverine it's pretty matter of a fact kind of guy so he's kind of like if you're looking for faith, person to talk to, uh, I'm, I'm, I, you know, it's what we have to do, um, right? And so, who does yeah, he's, uh, he's a little deferential for my taste, but I, I think it makes sense overall. And he's kind of like, just, oh, and it's what they said we're going to do, so I guess we're going to do it. Well, I don't know. Here's, here's some. I bourbon. feel like it's because he's a bit more, <laughs> me- he's, a, he's a bit more mellow now. Seems like he's yes. like a. Uh, yeah. a, a menage a trois or a, a quartet of <laughs> polyamory. I don't know, maybe he's just more chilled now he's getting his end away all the time. Right. Three other people. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, there's this really beautiful, bizarre moment, which will definitely be picked up later, where Scott uh, goes to Kokoa, walks in the forest, looks to his right, sees um, Kokoa, Doug, and Warlock. And then he's all like, oh, never mind. And it's just Doug and Krakoa. And I was just like, um, is Scott hallucinating? Because <laughs> like, right. um, he even has the bit where, because like, it's really, it's not subtle at all, but like Doug's arm, that's usually Wallock, um, isn't Wallock on the right. panel where Wallock sat next to him. Yeah. Um, like he jumped off, got in the chair, and like realized it's Scott's arm, so he jumped back on Doug's arm. And it's just, um, it's almost like Scott blinked or missed, or there's some sort of like telepathic something going on there, because it's almost right. like he just like 
even though he's staring at it, he just dismisses it. I thought it was an interesting um, moment in the book that it's just so randomly thrown in. It feels like one of those Claremont um, interludes, uh, which will be picked <laughs> up like about in about two, three issues time. Right. But yes. So um, he goes to meet Kurt, and this is what I've been waiting for. I suppose this book um, since Dawn of X, because my favorite X Man maybe on the quiet council, maybe had a few things to say. I've, I've, I've seen on Twitter that he is the one member of the council of people that believe should be there, which is insane. Uh, he's the heart of, he's the heart that he yeah. represents the heart of, of the X-Men. Um, or should I say the soul if, if Gene and, and Storm are like the moral compass and the heart, he's like the soul of the X-Men. That's why those three are picked to be on there. Um, but, um, so he's staring off at this um, place that is essentially this building that no one can go inside, which seems odd, but he's been inside. And this is where the book becomes a series of questions and not answers um, with, the, with the characters and the readers um, going along for the ride. And it's that sort of anticipation of, more of the more interesting question that is more exciting than ever getting the answers that Scott right. tries to find here. And um, we have a sermon essentially by uh, Kurt throughout the book and him and Cy- Cyclops sort of guide their way um, through themselves to um, when we pick, him, pick them back up the, the crucible before then we have the most, what I would consider one of the most zealot characters that X-Men have ever produced, Exodus. Um, his belief in Magneto's opinions were mental. Um, like he, yeah. he, he was a believer, and he is very much a believer, and he is indoctrinating children um, into the importance of the. No two ways about it. It is indoctrination. This is what we're watching. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about the one thing that I didn't think would be mentioned for a while or at all, um, but Hickman wants to write one specific wrong, and that's the Scarlet Witch's no more mutants. Um, and it's interesting to see what happens here, um, especially in this climate of radicalization, um, where these mm-hmm. these kids these kids are shown these images of uh, Wanda. And as a reader or whatever, you may you may agree that the No More Mutants was a fun storyline, or it was terrible, um, or you may may disagree or agree that Wanda's actually been punished for that. Or not. Um, right. But here, that she's very much a pretender, and the kids are all like, no more. Um, oh, that uh, children of the corn panel at the bottom, that's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> well, and um, thanks to Crucible, no more is definitely going to be a thing. And so we find ourselves walking past lots of people. Um, like everyone's here to watch the crucible and there we find melody uh with a reef on her head sat in the middle of what looks like a gladiatorial combat and opposite her is apocalypse and that damned sword which mm-hmm. he is he is huge um and they discuss the idea that you know because melody does what we find out is i can't remember melody to be honest um yeah was, i remember the other ones but I, I did i forgot about her as well so yeah she she um she was one of the ones that lost their powers and what's happening is the crucible is a proving ground to see if she deserves to be a mutant um basically and 
we have pretty much a confrontation between the two with the completely outmatched Melody attempting to slice Apocalypse's heads off with a tuning fork. Because um, it, like it doesn't look like a sword. <laughs> right. um, and in the background, we just have basically Scott talking to Kate about, basically, is this right? Should we be doing this? Um, what does this mean for us if we can just... And really interesting things are being said about, like, um, people are, are, are bidding or, like, requesting things about coming back, um, which um, is insane, if you right. ask me. But um, it ends with Melody um, losing brutally. Um, and even though Sam and um, Paige, her, her siblings, are ready to jump in, they're stopped and Apocalypse um, kills her in the fact that she's a mutant now um, because she's reborn. Storm does her usual um, shtick on the island, which is come introduce yourself to your nation. And a new president is set in the story and the plot and everything where this is now a place where all mutants, even the ones that are depowered, can become mutant again. And um, it's kind of scary and it's well, a new and was it that curses at the end we need to make a new religion a mutant religion yeah so, well i have a question though but this isn't this is only for depowered mutants right i yeah, get yeah. a rite of passage back into mutantdom so and the idea was that they said they can't kill themselves so they like if a depowered mutant commits suicide they're not going to be resurrected or if they come through the crucible, then they can be resurrected. Which I, this is the the doubt and the discomfort through our kind of I guess our quote unquote main characters is palpable in this book. Like there's so much kind of unease in all the dialogue and the art. Like you just really like as a reader, you're like I I don't know about this, and I think you're supposed to. <laughs> right <laughs> to not know about this and um it's really odd because it's like i think the idea is like is we're saying more so than <laughs> being magic magic guy like apocalypse's true purpose here is to use his evil and kind of almost you know being the strongest of the strong as he's always espoused because, I mean, the idea here is that there's not going to be a person that can come in and beat him. Like, this is not really a contest. This is a execution of fight. sport, right? Um, it's an execution with an audience. And I think, I mean, when even when Arrow cried, like, because she has tears in her eyes when she sees her family at breakfast. Kind of like, oh, the crucible. Yeah, I'm going to go die. Like, I have to fight. I have to show that I'm worthy and that I'm willing to fight for my heritage, but there's no way in hell I'm going to win, and no one, I'm not expected to win. I'm not supposed to believe I'm going to win. I'm just supposed to go put up a good fight and hope I'm, I'm worth resurrection, which, and that's, that's really the kind of the questions that Scott and Kurt asked, too, is are, can we really, like, put a person's value on how they go through this thing? I mean, there's a lot. Like you said, Dan, no, no real answers a whole lot of really interesting questions. Um, and it just kind of leaves a, a weird taste in your mouth as a reader. Um, but I think in a really good way, in a really interesting way. 
and the art is, you know, I'm, I'm up and down on you. This is definitely an up issue. Um, okay. The art it definitely tells the story the way Hickman's intending to and displays the proper emotion and also kind of the right, the right kind of shadow that, that casts doubt on the, on the story. I mean, I don't know. It's just a very, it's a very, very well executed comic. Um, I, I can understand why someone might be like, I'm not sure if I like this or not, because it is a, a uncomfortable subject matter. I think if you really dive into it, it's intentionally troublesome, but I think it's, it's such a good comic book. Um, wh- where did you kind of end up landing on this? Um, I think with all the questions that are thrown at you and with all the little little things that they drip in, like the the random building that no one goes in, Kurt's gone in and it's like a cathedral, but is it for Kurt? He seems to think it's for Kurt. Um, so are they anticipating that Kurt's going to forge a new religion for mutant kind? And then on top of that, there's like the idea that, uh, is it depowered mutants that are doing bids to come back with different powers? I see. I took the will part as being like everyone. Like, like let's say Nightcrawler makes a will. So next time I die, I want you to add like, you know, give me a mohawk, <laughs> or or give me some optic blast. And I'm wondering if that's where some of the kind of the weird things. We're not to the Chimera part of the storyline yet, allegedly. So, but we know we have like hybrid mutants coming up. I wonder if people get resurrected with like multiple powers um and i wouldn't i wonder if the kids in the children of the atom who right, seem to yeah yeah that's display... right yeah. sorry I, I jumped ahead of you um, no no yeah no no you're totally on the same same line of thought there but the fun thing is is he's thrown all these little and it's it's funny because it's like when we meet cyclops and he steps out he's like stepped out of the last the previous issues where everything's been sort of happy he's had like a family trip to a different island blah 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 um, and they haven't been super sinister until the, the table meeting. And then th- that was kind of like, we're in charge now. And then the mystique issue was kind of like, she's a ticking time bomb on this <laughs> island. And now we've come to like, basically the underbelly. And um, for, for someone like Xavier to stand there and allow uh, Apocalypse right. Darwinian Darwinian survival of the fittest stuff go on means that compromises have have had to be made and they're not the heroes we all grew up thinking they are anymore right um this is a very different place to be and i think that's really interesting as a, as a reader to like it, it evolves it's funny because it's very much trying to break new ground and we're going to talk about an issue which essentially is just a homage of old ground um but this it, it, it's it's future thinking and it's uncomfortable, but I feel like it is kind of like what happens in the birth. It's the political spectrum of why we should have what the cost of paradise is, and if you do want your your powers back, then there's going to have to be a way. And it it ha- weirdly is everything they do is theatrical. It 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 it's it's um based in symbolism. Um, you know, I mean, is there's no there's there's no doubt in my mind that. Hickman was like, well, it's definitely going to happen in like a Colosseum-esque area. He's going to hold a broadsword, and they're going to have a fight to the death. Um, and it's when he deems them wary, they'll be resurrected. Um, it's just, it's it's so beautifully um, 
what's the word? Oh, I've forgotten the word. Um, cynical. Uh huh. About about like the 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 whole Kokoran experiment, essentially. Like everything else is about hope, and you've got a book like X Force, which is like this is the dark book, and then Hickman sweeps in with this issue and goes, "No, this is this is the darkness that's underneath <laughs> the island." Um, right, right. And, this is what happens if you scratch the surface too far, right? And I want, I want more of this. I want, and the fact that our actual heroes, Cyclops, Nightcrawler, stand there, watch this, question it, but don't act, is quite impressive. Yeah. Well, um, and yeah, because I think one of my biggest criticisms on some of the, as much as I'm loving Donovex overall, there's still a couple of times where I'm like, well, would this character really go along with this? At least, at the, you know, maybe not give us answers, but this at least addresses that the the, the characters we would expect to have struggles are at least going through the struggle, right? They may may still land different than what we think as a reader or whatever, but. But we're at least acknowledging that, yeah, okay, no, Nightcrawler didn't just jump in this blindly, optimistically, like, he's really wrestling with stuff. Cyclops is really wrestling with stuff. You know, I'm looking forward, and we'll maybe see a little bit in the next issue of Storm, like, really trying to, it's, it's not just that she's like, oh, yay, Don of X, whatever, I'll do what y'all say. But, you know... The fact that, that these characters maybe are landing in different places, but they're they're we're getting hints at some of that journey, or at least some of the the questions along the way. And I think that's really important. Yes, and to be fair, it's all beautifully presented as well. Yes. It just looks looks fantastic. There's not there's not a panel out of place. Um, uh, the color work is fun. Like, Apocalypse has never looked so unbelievably terrifying. Um, <laughs> as, as, as a he, like, he looks like a force of nature, which I think he is anyway. Right. But it, like, he always looks good in these Donovex books because he's either wearing his robes and his magical cave wherever he lives in Excalibur, or he's like looking like a, he will just murder everyone um, right. in the room for just speaking. Um, but you's really just done some really wonderful work here and yes just the facial expressions because like scott's always dour and he always looks a bit miserable um but to have nightcrawler be as stern um and the color work makes them feel makes me feel like they're mourning while they're watching it but they're right. actually like uh-huh. mourning this girl before she she dies it's such a weird weird concept to even believe that that would even be a, a, a like a, a way forward but at least he's erasing um, Hickman's decided to address the whole mutants lost powers business. Yeah. Um, so that would be interesting. But I'm going to give it a six out of six anyway. So. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. X Men Seven gets six out of six claws. Uh, Georgie, uh, well, the, we're about to talk about giant size. He kind of says this is the polar opposite of giant size. This issue slowed Hickman to show off how deep a concept he's playing with. It makes a previous X-Men run feel like a child's type of storytelling. Um, I'm, I'm going to assume he's excluding red, but yeah, uh, blue and gold and, and astonishing. It definitely feels very immature compared to what Hickman's doing. Um, Cyclops and Nightcrawler shine, and it's something I think we'll get more of. So he was very much enamored with this book as well. Um, so speaking of giant size, we have... Giant Size X-Men number one. This one is Jean Grey and Emma Frost. Uh, Psychic Rescue. Um, or Into the Storm. 
All these books have two titles. It kind of throws me. But um, anyway, uh, <laughs> Jonathan Hickman does the story as it is in words. Russell Dodderman does the story in art. Uh, Matthew Wilson does the colors. VCs Clayton Cowles does the letters. Again, Tom Mueller on design. Dodderman does the cover. And this cover yeah. is freaking amazing. First of all, please get Gene out of the skirt and into this costume. This is a fantastically designed costume that is both classic and modern um and then emma with her like oh i can't be bothered um pose and also like that she's in a slightly less it's still definitely form-fitting and stylish but a little bit less revealing i like that um kind of the the romper that she's in but and then in the background you have like this kind of cycle uh like almost psychotropic um, storm face kind of going down the cover and then her hair all these like psychedelic images of like you know you have Wolverine in his claws and Cyclops with an X over his mouth oh actually Wolverine has an X over his mouth too I think it's kind of some important visual cues there um, what do you think of the cover? I love it um, I, I also adore the fact that Jean's back in an X-Men red costume but we would more of a classic jean clothing right um which is nice um emma's costume is brilliant like it is just it feels like it's her it's still it's still emma but it just looks nicer than a lot of the stuff that sometimes she has to wear yeah um and it just it's just breathtakingly gorgeous um much like the whole book, to be fair. Um, yes. Oh, um, my gosh. This book. Yeah. So, Giant Size X-Men number one, six out of six claws. Um, <laughs> yep. we, we start off with uh, Cyclops, Gene, Storm, Wolverine, and Emma. And they're on Krakoa. And there's these two kids, two mutant kids flying around. And they see something by this waterfall. And it's Storm. And she's got blood. And she's got curled up in the fetal position. And then we go to a Krakoan gate, and in the Krakoan language it says, Silence, Psychic Rescue and Progress. And from this point until almost the very end of the issue, there are no more words. And it is beautiful. Um, we see our, you know, we mentioned our foursome, our big foursome on the island. We have Emma, Wolverine, Cyclops, and Jean. Uh, Cyclops and Jean walk up holding hands, but then Jean lets go and gives Wolverine a kiss. And then... Uh, Emma holds her hand out. Uh, Jean looks over her shoulder at Wolverine and Cyclops looking awfully chummy. Uh, they're about to go get in their bathrobes together on the moon. Um, <laughs> and then um, and Emma gives us a shh as they go into the gate. And Storm is laying on this bed of flowers, kind of like Rogue was, right? Almost like this flower healing coffin. And Jean and Emma are going in. But Jean gets impatient because Emma's taken a hit from her flask first, <laughs> which I thought was brilliant. Um, but they go in in a great just page that almost looks like Dodderman channeling like Jen Bartel. Um, but it's just like this tree in the African plain in Aurora's headdress or, you know, whatever is, is floating above it. It's such... A beautiful page and the body language through this whole issue just like the cover tells the story gene is looking at it straightforward very sincerely and emma's kind of looking around her side her posture is to the tree she's not facing it head on um and they're talking to each other i love the kind of the like psychic 
or tele telepathic telekinetic like burst that are like them communicating with each other. Um, they run down this hill. They find these like ghost lions who are questioning whether they're friends or enemies. Gene uh, makes this like sand sculpture of a very classic like Gene and Storm hug, and the lion smiles. And then Emma shrugs and makes a sand sculpture of like one of the early uncanny issues where Gene and Storm were fighting, and then the lions turn into these giant snakes. Now, Emma lands on the ground and smells help in the dirt, and Jean looks very concerned. Emma turns into diamond form. She's, form. she's able to hold her own. Then we get this just God-smackingly amazing page of Jean like, saying, like, enough! And she, like, tears the snakes apart. Then we get this gorgeous elephant with butterfly wings. I mean, this whole thing is nuts, but it's awesome. And then Aurora's face shows up in the clouds. It, inside the headband and they go through like this weird psychedelic staircase with all these nice colors and they kind of break through like the phantom zone almost and i don't even know i don't really know what to say about this book but then they get to like the the resurrection egg right and storm's face is still in this guy above it so they're still in her mind and there's a like and a like almost like a circuitry like oozing out it's not like a hard circuit it's like a liquid circuit oozing out of the egg and and storm resurrects but they're like this isn't quite right and we have like made out of the ooze of the egg they spell words in the air like metal machine and they see a flower and they it was like okay i don't know shrugs again she's constantly shrugging and it's beautiful um they pull the flower they pull the kind of the top off of the the egg and find storm but then when Jean goes to, to greet Storm, her hand pulls away her skin, and she's like a Terminator robot underneath. And then in lightning, save me. And they give her a hug, and they go back. Uh, Cyclops and Wolverine are just kind of sitting there waiting, right? Um, just hoping this goes well. And, and they come out, and then we finally get back to some conversation. And Jean says, basically, the, I guess... I'm guessing, Dan, this is from the, the X-23 issue, or sorry, the Wolverine issue, where they went inside the vault and Storm created a diversion. I guess that's when she got attacked. Or do you think yes. this is something? Okay. I can't tell if it was that or maybe something that happened off-panel. but um, It could be when she rescued that child, children at the vault. Oh, true, um, true. Yeah, but either way, she's been infected with a machine virus, and she has 30 days to live. I, I don't even know what to say. Uh, this book is freaking gorgeous. And it's if if X-Men 7 had a lot of words, here Hickman completely gets out of the way. Obviously, you know, him and Donovan worked on this together and came up with the concepts and the basic kind of beats. But he really just says, Donovan, take it. And Donovan does. And boy, does he just take it too. I mean, I've been a fan of his as long as I've been seeing him draw, but this is a whole new thing he's doing in this book, and it just looks amazing. I if I just if I talk, I'm just gonna blubber. So I'm gonna let you let you blubber instead. <laughs> so um, when I picked up Giant Size X Men, I was extremely excited because it's Emma, and um, I've thanks to Hopeless have a newfound love for Jean, or thanks to Taylor and Hopeless, um, I have a newfound love for Jean, and. I was not expecting this, especially not like a pretty much very close um, approximation of, is it New X-Men? 
onto what the Nuff said issue of right. the X-Men that yeah. Morrison quietly did, where they do a psychic rescue of Charles Xavier. Um, uh, spe- like they literally homage it in such a way where Cyclops and Wolverine are stood outside. Emma takes a swig, swig from uh, Flask, like she does in the other one. Um, they write in their right words in the it's it, it it's it pretty much the the beats are the, almost the same to the end where obviously in that issue she comes out and says xavier's twin he killed his twin in the room and that's who cassandra nova is um that, that was basically the same sort of thing but homaging aside um what a very clever way of just going well this is a piece of x history let's reinterpret it for for a modern audience um and like throw out a uh, a stunning looking book which um proves that you do not need words um to tell a story at all in this medium and um all all i can say is it looks astonishing and why dortmund isn't on the flagship title yeah yeah it definitely in, brings up some questions because he's done a, a regular monthly book before so he can he can do it um yeah, get him doing something. I I need more. I've been really loving his covers. I need more Dodderman interiors in my life. I'm kind of like sad, not because obviously these giant size X Men we're gonna have different artists per character, and I know we're getting Alan Davis for Nightcrawler, which is exciting. But right, my lord, could we have just had Dodderman for the whole run? <laughs> um, but, yeah. um, like, or or he like, he can just draw everything forever. This is true. Um, <laughs> Let me find that. It's very, it's very, it's it's very clever. It's a beautifully coloured um, panel layout. Um, sort of uh, a put down kind of like musical beats rather than um, traditional panel layouts. Um, mm-hmm. The use of circles, which is kind of Dortmund's sort of trademark these days, um, is just to break out to to break up each page is just wondrously. It's so beautifully told, and like you said that. The body language. The my favorite part was Emma just going. I I don't know. I used to beat her up. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> um, it's just it's just divine. Like it, it, I, there's hardly any words. It's six out of six. Who who gives shit? I, I can't yeah, really say. Right. It's it's a, it's it's a hard- six plus. And this this is a masterpiece issue. This is one of the, the comics that are in the upper echelons of of the medium. Um, Immediately, right? It's an it's to coin a sports phrase. It's an instant classic. Um, and Georgie kind of had similar thoughts. Uh, was also kind of at a loss for words a little bit, I think, too. Um, says Hickman knows when to step back and let two masters show their work. And talking about Dodderman and Wilson, uh, gorgeous, full, emotive. Uh, he ended up saying visual storytelling at its best, and I, I cannot agree more. And this. This is why you buy comic books. There are issues like this. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know what else to it, say. It's, it's, it's it, freaking it, gorgeous. It's the type of book that transcends like the the trappings of it being a superhero and uh-huh. just being part of art, like right. a piece of art in the medium. A, a, a book that you would show people going, look, this is a, anyone could pick up this book and understand what they're doing. There's no. There's no like, like you, you don't really need any background necessarily you could if you cut off like the epilogue and like the last page and the beginning and just have them walk in and help storm 
that's, yeah. a, that, that's a simple tale that is easily told. Um, right. It seems almost fable-like as well, with the lions and the mystical beasts and such forth. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's wondrous. Yep. Very, very imaginative, very creative, very powerful. Um, well, any, any good compliment you can think to give this book, it earns. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the last thing we're going to talk about today is uh, X-Men plus Fantastic Four number two. Um, and this – oh, you got this one. Is it me? It's all me, isn't it? Um, the Time Is Now or Broken Borders. Yeah, they do have two titles. These books have two titles. <laughs> um, um, what really annoyed me about this book, actually, um, is that I feel like the creator page feels like redacted, a redacted paragraph. Um, I don't know if you if you look at the X Men Fantastic Four. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. And it it breaks my mind um, slightly, but anyway, um, it's written by Chip uh, Chip Zdarsky, um, penciled by Terry Dodson, uh, inked by Rachel Dodson with Carl Story and Ransom Getty. Mm, that's not a good thing. Yeah. No, um, no. Laura, Laura Martin's the color artist. Um, Joe Carmagna is the letterer. Uh, the Dodsons are the cover the cover artists. Um, and on and. Um, carrying on the theme of these X FF or four X two, I don't <laughs> carry on this book because um, it has so many titles. Um, we have a group of X Men in Fantastic Four. We have um, w- right, so I have a real big individually: Colossus, Ben, Emma, Logan, and Val- Valer- Valerie. The- and this is Valerian then. Yeah, Valerie. Valeria. Mm-hmm. Um, they all look great. They also all look like they've been stuck on top of each other. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's no real depth here. It just feels like uh, someone who got a couple of stickers um, right. took one on top of it. I'm not saying it's bad. They look nice. Um, I'm just seeing it. It doesn't have any like depth to the. To right. We literally just read and looked at Dartmoor. Maybe. I'm yeah, it's not really fair. Um. <laughs> Maybe I'm just being a bit too harsh. Um, but anyway, um, so so we pick up the story uh, with Franklin and Valerie off um, at Uncle Doom's um, with Scott basically going, I did not take your kids. We- <laughs> I know I acted like I was going to. So you're perfectly <laughs> justified, but I didn't. <laughs> Reed, in his sort of midlife crisis What's going on with that? Yeah, yeah. Um, he's like, I don't mind. We don't want to start a war. Um, Sue is kind of like, I'm coming to get my kids and destroys the device. Magneto's like, Is there going to be a problem? <laughs> like, Cyclops <laughs> um, like, you think? Uh, yeah. Essentially, um, everyone tells Reed tells Reed as usual in all FS uh, books. Everyone tells Reed he's stupid or an idiot or, or is emotionally distant and can't do anything. anything to that effect. Just, just it's like a, it's like a, like a board and the, it's like Reed is and you press the button and his family believe he is and it'll scroll around <laughs> and go emotionally distant. Okay, right, that's this issue. Right, so um, the rest <laughs> of the family like let's let's leave. Kitty randomly alive because this is set before when I don't know before um, after somewhere. Drawn in the costume, her that old fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's weird. Maybe because I suppose Hickman did say he said to all the artists they can draw draw them in whatever costume they want them right. to be in. 
because it's just a wardrobe now. It's it's mutant fashion. But this just doesn't make sense because she basically was like, yeah, I don't wear costumes anymore. I wear my pirate stuff. Um, anyway. Yeah. So Kitty's all... Um, Kitty and her little marauders uh, t- are taken by Doom. Uh, Kitty wakes up at a table because that's how Doom operates because he's smooth. Um, Doom's just like, welcome to my Kokoa. Um, Doom <laughs> Island. Um, I can do this again. Yeah. I've got a castle as well. Um, and he's just like, I'm going to save Franklin. Then we have the Reed Richards entry 661026, the mutant population, and lots of dots. And there's an estimated, is there really 200,000 mutants on Krakoa? Because how big is Krakoa? Like, I guess the plot needs it to be, I guess. Because are they just laying on each other? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, yeah it's sexy, it's yeah. sexy Krakoa. Yeah, and they just like. <laughs> and only one and only one Omega level mutant apparently. Um so No, I think one dot equals fifty, so there's fifty oh, yeah, so. yeah, right. So Madrox, looking kinda like a dark haired version of Johnny Storm, is all over Marauder's boat, uh can't find where it is. Magneto and everyone's like, mm, what should we do about this? Kurt's kinda like, let's not start a war with <laughs> the Fantastic Four. Emma's just like, hee 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 like she is. She's completely like <laughs> Honestly, that's does she not feel like that's what she's like after after reading two quite because um, this is Duggan as well, so he's also written a very nuanced. I think all these characters are a little bit more like cheerful, and then as they're talking, they they realize the invisible woman may actually be there, and Magneto, um, ever the showman, melts some chairs so that he can um, see the thing and such forth. Um, yeah, and they're all wearing spacesuits, and of course the spacesuits uh, psychic protected because that's how you defeat the x-men because if not everyone just ends and right. the x-men always um, mine, mine. Doom, yeah yep doom walks around the island with uh franklin um basically that subplot is essentially franklin getting a proposition for doom of i'm gonna restore you and make you awesome again um mm-hmm. and then on the island we have a little bit of a scuffle because it is called fantastic Four and x-men so they have to fight at least twice yeah, um, issue. yeah. They have they have a nice little scuffle. Um Reed does a desperate gambit and opens up Sue's um case uh, helmet for a second because she's been knocked unconscious because she is the most powerful member of the Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. Um Emma gets a lock on which awakens uh, Sue. Uh, Reed quickly shuts the helmet, allowing Sue to make a giant invisible bubble and they fly away to safety. And um Cyclops is like, eh, this is going to be a problem, Professor. And he's Professor's like, oh, just assemble a team, go find, go find the boy yourself. And then um, on 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 Doom because, Island, because resurrection or nothing, you cannot yeah. take away the fact that Professor X is a big dick. <laughs> Always um, yeah. on Doom Island, uh, Kitty meets up with the rest of the Marauders and is like, all right, we're okay. Let's let's do what we like. I love the fact that Doom has an evil Herbie. Like a, yeah. a sinister evil robot heavy. And then Doom's are like Doom. And he's like, I've made contingencies. And he's made Doom Sentinels. And yes, he has. <laughs> the next one's called God Power. Uh, yeah. Like, oh. So I, um, I thought this was really fun. Georgie did not like it very much. Um, <laughs> let's see. I'll yeah. see what he said. Fine. He said, man, it's fine. The art's a bit wonky in places and relies too much on oh, I'm angry, so let's fight instead of actually discussing the issue type of storytelling. You see employed when a writer wants two heroes to fight. Only the appearance of Doom makes his birth 
makes this book worth spending time on. Um, I, <laughs> I was not quite as down on it. Where where were you in the in the spectrum? <laughs> I'm not I'm not down on it. I think what well, the thing is is it's in Power of, um, House of X and Powers of X when Cyclops utters those words of uh, about Franklin. I yeah. think everyone had a uh, uh, all the fans had a, uh, a sort of communal oh wow that's gonna that's gonna be fun right that's not gonna uh, work. yeah and i feel like they've only got four issues right is it a, fo- a four issue mini i think so i, I believe like, so like it's just um and i feel like it may not be delivering specifically that kind of because that was a nuanced confrontation between them right and We've got quite a, a well. It's a, nuanced, but let's be clear. I'm I'm team Stu. I'm team Sue. <laughs> like if someone it. comes after my kids, like forget it. Um, and oh, no, I no, really no, I, I really I was, like uh, your argument that um, you're basically saying one of my kids is more valuable than the other. And oh uh, yeah, like as a parent, that I was yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I, 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 I was mainly saying that uh, I think to, to address Georgie is that when you get the promise of that confrontation right. between them mm-hmm. in Hickman's sort of nuanced, steady hand, and then you have Duggan throwing it into a more of an emotional curveball right. as opposed to a, 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 a like sort of a sit down and talk. Because, like you said, when children are involved, um, it, emotions take over logic. Like, yes, to hear, yeah, right. to hear I, I can imagine to hear someone say that. Uh, we want that kid, but you're the one who can fuck off. Um, right. I imagine. I imagine that's gonna. And they basically think they've kidnapped, and they've gone. They've gone after every single person's ever tried to take Franklin or, or Valerie. <laughs> like I wasn't. I wasn't un, under any illusion that they wouldn't go and try and beat the crap out of the FF. I do love the fact that the three men understand that without Sue, they are done for. No matter right. how, like, I love however, that. However clever, because like Nightcrawler, is it Nightcrawler that says that we shouldn't underestimate Reed because he's unpredictable? But everyone in the room, every single person, the X Men, the Fantastic Four, are just like, yeah, if Sue's on the board, we're not winning. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and I, I thought that was a really interesting. Like, it's great to have her constantly at the forefront, being the mo- like the strongest mother. Um, I'll, like Marvel mother I can think of outside of right. like Jessica Jones and such forth because like there yeah. isn't many Marvel Marvel mums, um, and she's just a powerhouse. And I'd like to have seen her rip, like let rip more than just a bubble. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Even though I want to see the essentially, I'm a I'm an X Men boy, so I want to see the X Men yes. win. But I'm more interested in yeah. Doom's machinations. <laughs> um, <laughs> Because yeah, no, it's it's weird because I want to be on the X Men side. I'm just having trouble getting there. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I will agree with him. The art is sloppy, and I think I didn't realize when I read this the first time that there were three different inkers. I think it shows there are definitely pages that are a lot stronger than other pages art art wise. Um, I. It's it's astonishing because I remember when Don, the Dodsons were fresh. Um, or should I say big bigger like they before they as they were hitting like big name things where they were on the um, Marvel Knights and stuff such forth. Um, because they did a run on they did a little run on the first time I saw them was Generation X, mm-hmm. where, where they made some horrible costumes. For the Generation Uh-oh. X. Um, I've not read those issues, but I'm going to take your word uh, for it. 
you you'll get there with our, yeah, with our, with our other pod, pod, on the podcast we'll get there um but um usually i i used to really enjoy the dodgers um but recently i feel like because they become more like cover cover artists right as opposed to sequen- like constant sequential artists so i do find the fact that all young men look like johnny storm <laughs> um, kind of disconcerting, right. and I feel like there's like only one nose between everyone, um, <laughs> and it is inconsistent. Like some of it's like big, the big like like Nightcrawler hitting um, Mr. Fantastic looks really nice, um, mm-hmm. really nicely colored. And I then like you'll get... Cyclops Optic Blast has like different degrees of transparency. I thought that was an interesting take on that. But then you'll get other, you'll get other panels where they're just sort of random like even doom kind of looks a little boxy um in places mm-hmm. right um but it's, it, i'm not saying the art's bad a lot of the pages are really nice and it tells its story it is a bit clumsy here and there dropping the balls for the emotional beats but because right. everyone just looks furious as opposed to any other emotion right <laughs> um, but um all in all i think it's fu- it's like popcorn fun yeah that's kind of where i landed too i i you know i agree with georgie i think the heroes fighting instead of talking, very big trope, right? I think there's enough of a motivation for it to be that way that, that I'm willing to go along for, for the ride. Um, I, you know, honestly, talking about the art, I think the worst, the biggest disservice is how poor Magneto looks. Yeah. Uh, they don't They don't have him down. They're not ready for him. Um, <laughs> but no, I think overall it is... It's, you know, it, it was weird reading it on the heels of Giant Sides because it's like, oh, really, really good Oscar-winning art film. Oh, summer blockbuster. <laughs> Got it. Okay, but if, if I can compartmentalize them like that, I think I can enjoy them both quite a bit. Um, so uh, where did you end up landing on on 4X or X-Men plus Fantastic Four or XFF or whatever the hell this thing's called? I, I, I'm going to have to say I probably land on a four out of um, six because I, it's enjoyable. I enjoyed I had fun reading it. It was it was the first one I read, so I didn't have anything else in my head at the time. So oh. was, <laughs> kind of cool. It's kind of it's kind of like silly fun. The fact that there's Doom Sentinels just made me laugh at the end. Like generally, right. it's like of course, of course, he makes Doom Sentinels. Why wouldn't he? Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to go a little higher. I think I emotionally connected to it a little bit. Um, so I'm going to do five out of six. I think the art definitely keeps it from, from even as fun as it is, the art's a little bit of a drag in places. So I think I think it's a low five for me. High, high four, low five. But I'll, I'll settle on a five. So so that's our, that's our books. Um, and I apologize. We have to cut this kind of short. Um, but before we go, Dan, where can other people find you? You can find us on the Excalibros podcast, which you can find on podbean.com forward slash Excalibros, on Twitter at Excalibros1. Uh, you just search us in Google and we should turn up. We're on everything else, I believe. So <laughs> easy enough to find us. Um, and we'll talk about the other books we haven't talked about, which is, well, I will with uh, Excalibur and the rest of the New Mutant, New Mutant Riff Raff. Um, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, awesome. Well, so definitely go check that out. I've uh, 
I really particularly enjoyed the last, or, or and there may be one out, and again by the time this comes out, but the last episode I listened to, y'all kind of struggling through <laughs> in the books, but it was very, very entertaining. Um, and so definitely go check out Scalabros. Um, of course, for the podcast that goes, Nick, you can like the fake. You can like the Facebook page. Don't like anything. That's weird. Um, and Twitter is at SnickCast, and show notes and stuff are at snickcast.podbean.com. Dan, man, it's so much fun to talk these books with you. Um, sorry, we kind of had to rush here at the end, but really, really enjoyed hanging out and just talking comics and X-Men. So thank you for coming on. Thank you. It's been lovely. All right, well, that's going to do it. Till next time, everyone. Hugs and snacks. Bye. Bye-bye. And snacked.